Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete. Take me off the speakerphone. The Jessica Jones Podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 301, a.k.a. The Perfect Burger, is sponsored by Contrarian Couch. What a hideous piece of furniture. I love it. Pete, here we are. No sadness this time as we start this season, though it is the final season. I feel like we got out we got out all the sadness that Marvel Netflix is coming to an end. We got that all out in our season three preview. Some of it might come back, you know, the the three twelve, the three thirteen, the series wrap podcast, but that's a long way off, and we're here to celebrate a new season of Jessica Jones. I, for one, am super excited here. Like you said, the the sadness has has given way to the excitement of this final Jessica Jones, final Marvel Netflix season. So what do you say we get into it? I say it's time for some surveillance. Let's see what the episode was all about. The season three premieres, written by Melissa Rosenberg and directed by Michael Lehman, veteran of lots of TV, including Veronica Mars, Chance, Blunt Talk, and Californication. In a beach, happy bathers hang out. Jessica Jones gives a voiceover about things being right and wrong and steps into frame in a leather jacket and jeans. She's there for Cassie, who's been taken by dad out of the country. He's the bad guy, says the law. He puts his hands on Jessica and gets thrown. Back in New York, Cassie and Jessica are home. Cassie's mad, but mom's happy. Until she isn't happy with her third-rate Joan Jett wannabe detective who thinks dad isn't that bad. In her office, Jessica's secretary, Jillian, has a new job. It's a sliding scale, so that's pro bono. There's a list of jobs, in fact. Little Vito, remember him from season two, can pick. Later, Jessica sees Malcolm getting a food delivery. They don't say much. Jessica hits the bar and watches infomercials. She runs into Detective Costa, the one who had passed along the tip about Cassie. He wants to restate the terms of their agreement. He throws cases her way, and she doesn't break the law. The next morning, Jess is awoken by Dorothy Walker, who wants to hire Jess to find Trish, who fell up the map 24 hours ago. Has Trish fallen off the wagon, or worse? Jessica tells Dorothy to take a hike. At Jerry Hogarth's apartment, she awakes, alone and having difficulty walking. She reaches for her Russian pills. She calls Jessica. Jerry wonders if today's the day that she might take those pills, the ones to end her life and her fight against ALS. Today is not the day, but she hopes Jessica will help her one day. How will that work? Jerry tells her to follow her instincts, and Jessica's response is cruel. That night, Jessica ponders and watches more infomercials. She decides to help Dorothy after all. It turns out Trish has moved and sold all her things. The next morning, they meet up at Trish's new place, which in no way is a redress of Matt Murdock's apartment. Jess looks around, then logs into Trish's laptop, finding proof of travel around the city and unsent emails to Jessica and Mom and Grace. Jess runs down addresses, ending up at a sleazy hotel. Was Trish on a stakeout? Nighttime falls as Jess reflects on waiting and ultimately sees the black-clad Trish sneaking about. Across the way, Trish follows a man into his loft apartment. He brandishes a gun. Jess jumps over and joins the fight. 
Jessica learns what we knew since the end of last season. Trish has powers now. She's a hero, too, and doesn't need Jessica. On a suburban street, Malcolm comes across a man hurt by a drunk driver. The man's okay. The driver is professional baseball player Cody Willimont. Malcolm suggests the man not sue. His lawyer is Malcolm's employer. That said, Cody's going to turn the SUV over to the man, and it'll even be fixed up, too. It's all done, and Malcolm is told by the drunk Cody that he's doing God's work. Is he, though? Later, Malcolm goes back to the office, bringing Jerry up to speed. She's happy he's living up to his potential as a P.I. That night, he ends up tailing Cody again, as the baseballer gets ready to drive drunk again. Malcolm's Jeep T-bones Cody's car, and Malcolm walks away. Also that night, Jerry's at a fundraiser with a string quartet. Jerry's got her eye on the cellist. At the reception, Jerry's been working up the nerve to reconnect with the cellist, Kith. Kith's husband knows Jerry and Kith were an item, and he's a professor of criminal law who's interested in Jerry's defense of powered people. Jerry thinks she and Kith should do lunch or more. Back to the bar, Jessica's watching infomercials. This time, it's Style by Trish. She hears about Cody being out for the season, and a man next to her can spot idiocy. Or maybe he lacks a moral compass. Either way, expect the worst. That said, he won't let her eat a bad burger and talks her into a better burger. They end up back at her place, and she thought burger was code for something else. He's amenable, and he's Eric. Then there's a knock at the door. It's a masked man with a knife that punctures Jessica's midsection. The masked man runs, and Malcolm finds Jessica bleeding out. What suspects draw our focus in this episode? Pete, let's start with Cassie's bad dad. Clearly breaking the law. I was worried, Matt, how topical they might choose to get. Was that a beach in the Dominican Republic? Was somebody going to, you know, take something out of the mini bar and die? Um, but uh, Cassie's father got his comeuppance here, puts his hands on Jessica, threatens to get physical. Oh, we're not in the United States, so law doesn't matter. My goodness. Yeah, I think as a kind of... Uh act one or teaser act or start of the season just remind you you know who's who and what's what sort of bad guy he more than serves his purpose uh and kudos as well to the show giving him kind of a little bit of a fair shake yes he did x y and z wrong and yes in the eyes of the law uh before which uh hopefully justice is blind uh he has done these bad things but Jessica kind of quick to not completely vilify him and to, to, you know, judge him guilty. We're guilty and judge him innocent. We're innocent. Let's talk about Cody Willamette, Matt, the Met clearly not part of who he is. Although we'll talk a little bit more about that in our cryptology segment. Again, similar to Cassie's bad dad here, Cody Willamette existing largely as a, uh, a story function so that we can see Malcolm in action as P.I. slash fixer, uh, which, of course, brings him back to his boss, Jerry, and remind us of that relationship, remind us of Jerry's um, unique view of morality. He's the client. We can 
legally see him charged. We can legally see him get away because of an NDA and giving away his his uh, fancy wheels there. And uh, Pete, I think it's with no sense of uh, uh, of joy that most people in the audience are happy to see Cody sore, not not dead, thank goodness. What, what is it, broken wrist, broken arm, out for the rest of the season? More than had that coming as somebody who is putting his uh, fellow drivers, his fellow uh, people on the sidewalk at risk with drunk driving. Entitled, may have even, Matt, we're never uh, able to confirm it, uh, been uh, committing a sex act when uh, when he hit that uh, that other man there. So I dare say he got his comeuppance. Got to keep both hands on the wheel. That's the bottom line. Whether you're texting, whether you're fiddling with the radio, whether other things, it's best. Keep those hands at the 10 and 2 position. Pete, I just mentioned Malcolm a moment ago. Is he? Uh, have you put Malcolm on this list? Why Malcolm? Sweet, sweet Malcolm. Participating in this type of abuse of the law to bail Cody out, not in a monetary sense, but in this non-disclosure agreement, getting this other party to cooperate for the uh, the Cadillac Escalade that he's going to get to drive off with. I, I thought at first, Matt, it was some elaborate where they're going to twist it back on this guy that he stole the car and Cody was, of course, the victim in this matter. Thank God that didn't happen. Um, yes, um, the way that uh, Ika Darville plays Malcolm brings him back to some pangs of conscience, but he's clearly doing the bad, the wrong thing. And then he takes justice into his own hands. He does, and I think that from our comfy armchairs, it is more justice than not. Obviously, argument in the real world for a slippery slope and not just vigilantism, but, you know, you can <laughs> he could have killed Cody had Cody not be not, not been belted in or that sort of thing. Uh, within the clear confines of this story, though, I think, you know, again, Cody broken bone out for the season, but not otherwise. uh you know, majorly affected in life. I mean, who knows what impact it'll have on, you know, the future contract or whether the team drops him or those kind of lesser things. But in terms of one less dangerous person out there on the streets, it does seem like Malcolm achieved that, although, you know, through negative means. Last on my list, Matt, is a character I lovingly refer to as Stabber. Pete, I am glad that we have the season three preview one week in the rearview mirror here since then we've talked other stuff for the podcast we've talked uh, or just you know I've, I've read other stories seen other stories i know that we have a a season three bad guy out there uh, i don't believe it's the same person as eric i wonder if maybe it's it, it is the stabber person i don't know and i kind of like that the episode gives us mystery and i like that i'm i'm kind of comforted by that mystery Cryptology, where we uncover hidden messages and larger themes. Pete, this is an episode that's looking at the nature of good and bad from a couple angles. Let's start with Trish. Is she doing more good than bad? I think the jury is out just yet on Trish. Missing, having moved, 
educating herself to what end we're not quite clear and then the daredevil knockoff costume it all leads us to believe a thing but we don't have enough to fill that in we know she got the uh experimental uh serum last season it nearly killed her now uh she has cat-like reflexes can jump out of a second story and not even have to roll that thing out matt and uh you know unlike jessica who doesn't need to do it anyway um and uh yeah remains to be seen where exactly this is going with her but i like it you mentioned daredevil there pete is trisha's loft apartment a fairly heavy redress of the matt murdoch loft apartment uh, it is in no way, Matt, Marvel Netflix trademark in no way reuses sets once they have been struck by other productions. Does not happen. Well, Pete, I will just mention tangentially that this episode really nailed the season premiere exposition stuff. You know, it certainly was helpful. Even though Netflix, it offered up the season two recap, Pete. I pressed skip intro because I had to get me some new Jessica Jones. But uh, Detective Costa sits down. I'm saying, I I know that guy from The Sopranos. What's his relationship on the show? Darned if in the first 20 seconds of conversation, it's not, you know, all right, detective. Hey, Costa. Hey, he's going to spell out, I throw you some cases. You don't break the law. The whole episode had this great way of making sure names got said job titles relationship with one another all got said and really really spelled out nicely since it's been way too long since we had new jessica jones that effortless exposition and then like you said the recapping we have a deal and these are the terms of the deal and done in a way that does not belittle the viewer which is always appreciated what uh what theories do you have over there pete well, Matt, Captain America reference, what? And we've had this once before with uh, little Vito had actually made in season two a Captain America reference. But it's funny that Jessica Jones has mentioned him as much as the show has. What with the events of Avengers Endgame not yet having happened, um, conceivably the events of uh, Infinity War not yet haven't happened. This this takes place like moments before the snap this season, right? I mean, the best answer is to go external from the story and to say, you know, this was made after Infinity War came out, but they probably had certainly most of the season scripted, if not the entire thing, and unquestionably had the entire season plotted out. So... It kind of exists in this netherworld of hashtag it's all connected, except it isn't. And let's enjoy a Jessica Jones story without being worried about the Avengers. Oh, snap. We mentioned an Avenger in the thing. Uh, oh, well, keep it moving. Keep it moving. Because this Netflix train, it's never going to stop for Marvel. Never. Mention Vito, but no Vito's dad. Matt. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Away, I suspect. And Pete, all I know is. Snapped? Oh, sna not snapped. It snapped my heart, maybe, particularly since uh, the actor, J.R. Ramirez, Pete, stood two feet from us uh, after the Paley Center uh, event 
held on International Women's Day last year, uh, the day that season two dropped. So I was very aware of, hey, downstairs lady, there's more characters upstairs. We just didn't bring them back because, you know, story or money or he had his arc, the end. Yeah, and obviously we we feel we we want to reconnect with that character, but understand uh, why it hasn't happened, at least yet. A character we definitely connect with, Matt, in a in a way that we we pity, yet at the same time we just can't trust Jerry Hogarth here and the first significant symptoms, as she refers to them, of ALS. Yes, and I think that we get kind of the complete, the complete presentation of the character here. Uh, whether the viewer had remembered her ALS situation or not, her introduction as somebody who was so, uh, introduction in this episode as someone who was so fragile uh, and you know clearly not right. <laughs> Sometimes we all you know don't want to get out of bed in the morning, but clearly in this poor state, and that's even before she takes out the pills, and then immediately. You know, a further problem is developing. We get that. We also get her, you know, very, very callously unconcerned about the the damage that uh, the Cody from the bases ball is causing. Uh, we also see her perhaps, perhaps, perhaps trying to open up her heart again to uh, to Kith, who uh, has since moved on from Jerry to uh, to a husband. So again, you know, we don't get a lot of Jerry in this episode, but we get quite a bit of kind of we get slices from all the corners of her life this seeming pact that they've struck here jessica and jerry over the uh Wushin medicine that uh jerry has to um euthanize herself and not being able to do it herself uh needing to uh, rely on Jess, the the one who can make the hard decisions. There's there's a backhanded compliment, Matt. <laughs> Indeed, and this being the cryptology segment, uh, one does wonder. <sighs> Shows like this are well served by endpoints. Now, did they know that the season that this was the final season? Probably not. Uh, certainly not at this point in filming. Certainly by the end of it, they knew that it was a fait accompli, that this would be it, given that everything else uh, was in the process of being canceled. Uh, Punisher, not yet canceled when they probably wrapped up work in December, but certainly as post-production continued, this was this was actively in post-production when that axe fell as well. Um, but dealing with endpoints, are we setting up the end of Jerry this season, you know, question of season four or not at the time of filming, be darned. Do we see Jerry's end? Uh, I guess, Pete, I have to ask rhetorically because I've only seen this episode and you are the all-wise spoiler, Pete. We have this evolution in Malcolm, you know, the uh, the down-on-his-luck former social worker in season one, clean in season two, and now... Uh, doing the dirty work for Jerry in season three here. He's got the new digs. Uh, there's the lady friend. Um, what do you make of Malcolm so far this season? 
there was the comment by Jerry, uh, you know, where it's the effect of, uh, you know, I wanted a PI and a fixer and I got both in you know your value. I guess, Pete, if I had Malcolm in front of me now, I would say, what exactly did you think PI work was? Like, maybe it's not this. I mean, helping the rich, drunk guy who is hurting people and enabling him to hurt others. Okay, fine. That is a far cry from, you know, Magnum PI and the mansion and the dogs and the Ferrari. But what do you think PI work is most of the time? It's being by yourself at 3 a.m. to get snaps of the one person who's cheating on the other person or things of that sort. Um, which, I mean, maybe there's an objective like, hey, there is proof he is cheating. Or look, there is proof that he goes to the library Thursday nights to teach uh, immigrants how to uh, speak better English. Uh, he's a good guy. Proof that he's a good guy. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a somewhat nebulous business and he's being asked to do something that's more nebulous than the norm. Again, what did you think this was going to be, Malcolm? Did you think it was going to be Magnum PI? Instead, it's Malcolm PI because because no. Last one for me, Matt. We know that the New York Mets exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, both on the TV side. They are name-checked in Daredevil Season 1, albeit mockingly. And then on the film side, uh, in Avengers Endgame, when City Field, their park, is shown in disrepair. But the New York Scouts, Cody Willamette, is he meant to be a New York Yankees player? And is the implication that he is an unsavory person uh, a statement on that evil empire. Your answer. Uh, Pete, I will infer because series creator and episode writer Melissa Rosenberg has been in Los Angeles so long. Los Angeles proper, Pete. I would therefore infer that she is, uh, if a baseball fan, a fan of the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, she could be a fan of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, but Pete, they've only been you know, with the Los Angeles namesake for a little while compared to Anaheim and California and whatnot way before that. So, Melissa Rosenberg, Dodger fan, question mark? If so, yes, the Dodgers do face off against the Mets, but perhaps she has National League loyalty and knows that there is a uh, New York Mets team out there in the MCU. Therefore, Cody Willamette, boo, boo, playing for the MCU proxy of the Yankees. You've discovered it, Pete. Yankees equal bad. Let's check our mail drop. Here's what you have to say, Pete. People getting back in the habit of watching Jessica Jones, talking about Jessica Jones. We do have a comment left on our uh, fantasticgeek.com uh, post for uh, season three, aka the final season, previewing that. Pete Margie Smart 8 says, Awesome. Your thoughts, Pete? <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a word. <laughs> So certainly moving forward, we'd love to, uh, to, to enlarge the discussion about season three of Jessica Jones. Uh, a reminder, Pete, when will we be talking the next episode of Jessica Jones? We will be bringing that to you on Sunday. That's June 16th, Father's Day, for these boys to be talking to you about your favorite woman 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So certainly get your comment in ASAP and uh, you know, we'll be releasing episodes twice a week throughout the duration of the series as we, uh, as we enjoy this final season of Jessica Jones, the end of the, uh, the Marvel Netflix experience. And of course, Pete, all of this made possible by the people who keep us supported, people who keep the podcast sustained by going to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. All it takes, Matt, to get in the club is a dollar less than the price of a cup of coffee. And uh, you unlock all sorts of riches. So check it out today. We're not spending it on fancy burgers with buttered brioche. It's just to keep the bleeps and the bloops going to make sure the microphones are well plugged in and things of that sort so thanks as always to those who lend their support pete how can people be in touch with you to talk jessica jones season three you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 10,534 followers can't be wrong and while i am personally on twitter as looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more! Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH. Like it today. We will be back in a couple days to talk Jessica Jones, episode 302. Until then, Pete, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Do you want to leave down the elevator or out the window?